What's up, y'all? I'm Amber, a.k.a. Ambie, and this is Ambiguity with Ambie, an interview podcast where I speak to guests who have encountered countless spaces and moments of ambiguity and uncertainty to discover and learn from how they navigated it. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, y'all? And welcome back to another episode of Ambiguity with Ambie where we discuss what it's like to navigate times and moments of uncertainty and ambiguity. I'm your host, Amber, a.k.a. Ambie, and today I am joined by the writer extraordinaire, Ms. N. Kim. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I love your enthusiasm. It's everything. It's everything to me. I love enthusiasm. Thank you. Thank you. So I've had the opportunity to have an amazing conversation with you prior to this partially about your story, partially about life in Mexico. But can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you? I know from our conversation that you do a lot in the writing space, but you've also had quite an extensive journey throughout life. Yeah, I've had quite an extensive journey in this life. And I'm just starting to realize that, wow, my life is actually pretty cool. So I'm Nigerian-American, first-generation Nigerian-American. My parents emigrated from Nigeria probably in the 80s, early 90s. No, late 80s, because I was born in the early 90s. So that makes sense. <laughs> and in New Jersey, and then moved to California, and then moved back to the East Coast, to New York, where I went to university, yeah. studied fashion business. And I loved it. I was an artistic person, an artist when I was young, and a fashion designer. But I went to school, I decided I'm going to do business because you know, it's more practical instead of just being like something artistic that it's going to become a chore once I start attaching grades and everything to it. So yeah, after a while of working in the fashion industry, I was like, this is not it. But during the time of being in university, I studied abroad in Hong Kong. And I think that was like really what was like, oh, girl, there's life out here. Like you need to really (laughs) just pack your things and get going. So after some time, I came back to finish up my courses and everything. But then after I graduated, after I worked, I said, I'm leaving this country. I'm just going to go live in South Korea and teach English for a year. It sounds really easy the way I just said it like that. But it was like, you know, after some time I had gotten fired from two jobs in a row. And I was like, I think it's time for me to go, you know, after that point. So Yeah. But then when I moved overseas, I realized, wow, I have so much more peace in my spirit, not Mm -hmm. being in the U.S. And after living in South Korea, I went to Abu Dhabi and I lived and worked there for three years. And then after there, I came to Mexico for six months because I had this dream, always this dream of like, I want to do a quote unquote sabbatical, whatever that means. (laughs) I know people talked about sabbatical in the university that I worked in in Abu Dhabi, but Like it wasn't really a sabbatical. It was just, I wanted to travel and do my thing and see what that was like and not be attached to any institution. So I did that in Mexico. And then I went to Portugal for three months because I just wanted to go to port. I just had this feeling of going to Portugal and Mm -hmm. it wasn't what I had wanted it to be, but it was what I needed it to be. And then I was like, I need to go back to Mexico. So here I'm in Mexico. I don't know how long I'm going to be here this time around, but I'm here now. And it's good to be here in the present with you. (laughs) Awesome. Good to be in the present with you too. Okay. So thank you for taking us on that journey about how you got to where you are today. And when we start the podcast, I like to make sure I get to know you a little better and our listeners 
get to know you a little better as well. So we engage in this activity I like to call Fast Five. Mm-hmm. So Fast Five is basically a process of me asking you five random questions, could be either or, could be just completely random. And then you tell me like the first thing that comes to mind and maybe your why. Okay. So this sound good? Yes. Awesome. 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 Okay. So when you are enjoying your free time, maybe you want to connect with somebody, are you going to call, text, or FaceTime if you're part of the Apple Illuminati FaceTime? But <laughs> like some kind of video chat. So yeah. are you calling, you texting, or are you doing a video chat? Call. Call. Calling. Yeah. That's it's just okay. fastest. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of new to the Apple game a little bit. So FaceTime is not the first thing that comes to mind. And usually I'm using WhatsApp anyway, but call Mm -hmm. is just the easiest for everybody. I don't know where people are at, what they're doing. And a call is just like this. There's something urgent, which is just my desire to receive your love and affection, but without necessarily being imposing that as a video call could be if someone's not in the right place. So I got got you. You hate those video calls in the restroom. I feel it. All right. So you mentioned that you traveled a lot in life. So which one are you choosing, East Coast or West Coast? Oh, gosh, probably East Coast, because I know more about it. Because the West Coast, even though I lived there for some time, I haven't spent a lot of time there. I just have so much more Mm -hmm. visceral memories from the East Coast of being young and just change of seasons and the freshness of the air and the winter and stuff like that. West Coast is beautiful and stuff, but I just don't know as much because during those years that I would have spent like traveling the West Coast, I traveled overseas. So, yeah, Uh, I got you. I got you. All right. So this one tends to be a little bit difficult for people. Okay. If you were taking a road trip, we were just talking about East Coast to West Coast. You're taking a road trip across country. Okay. You can listen to one artist. Who are you listening to? Probably Chris Brown. Ooh. Yeah. Fun fact. (laughs) Fun fact. Chris Brown was my first love ever since. I saw him on something when he was like 13. I don't know how old I was. Probably like 10 or something. I don't know. But I saw him on TV and I was like, who is that boy? I love him. And then from there, I had to have all his CDs. And one of my emails was Breezy Baby, like my MySpace. I had the playlist of Chris Brown. And I know he's not it right now for me at all. But there's some part of me that's like, I still love you. And I still mess with you on some level. And I can still, you know, be happy with your music and stuff. So it would be him. But it wouldn't just be the the stuff of now. It would be from time, you know, from the yeah. now and later, the stuff that did that was on LimeWire that you can't even find, you know, all the way until present day. So I think that'll save me for the road trip. <laughs> so he, you know, Chris Brown liked to see if you could run it, run it. <laughs> nice. If you have to do some type of exercise to stay in shape, what are you going to? Dancing. By the way, I love the transitions. I'm so sucker for transitions. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's going to be dancing for sure, hands down. Oh, okay. So if we get the chance to connect in Mexico, you'll have to give me a lesson because I love dancing. Don't do it well, but I doubt it. As long as you feel in the vibe, you're doing it well. That's what I say. Exactly. Exactly. So we've talked about your journey and what your preferences are for the East Coast and the West Coast. We've talked about Chris Brown, who has definitely faced ambiguity and uncertainty. And mm-hmm. I dancing, which just falls into an ambiguous category of its own. <laughs> so in your life, 
Have you ever faced ambiguity or uncertainty yourself? A resounding yes. Mm, Yeah, I feel like that's everyone at some point in time in life. So what was it like for you? Can you tell us about a time when you faced that ambiguity and uncertainty? Okay, like right now, I'm in a total period of ambiguity and uncertainty because I'm, you know, staying in this beautiful home by the ocean, which has great Wi-Fi. Look at me talking to you with this Wi-Fi on Zoom. Like, I'm ready. I'm so happy. You know what I mean? Um, About that, right? (laughs) Like, that's a real thing if you're traveling, especially in Mexico or these kind of places that you don't know. Like, it's really kind of a rustic rural type place, which I love. But I don't know where I'm going to lay my head come June 1st evening. I don't know like Mm -hmm. what that's going to look like. And it's not scary for me. It's just like, Mm -hmm. I will figure it out because when I decided to take this journey from leaving Abu Dhabi, I mean, when I was living there, there was nothing ambiguous or uncertain about what I was doing. Yes. During, you know, the pandemic times, it was kind of like that, but really not. When you talk about your basic needs, My house was set. I was earning a lot of money for doing very little work at the time because as a teacher, the first year that I worked there was like a lot of work, you know, building my curriculum and stuff. But then the years go by, I'm still teaching the same subjects and I'm using the curriculum that I already built. So like, I don't have to do so much. So it was a lot of, you know, it was almost boring, you know? So now I'm in a place where it's not boring at all. Every day I get to choose what, how I want my day to look and how I want to feel and stuff. But it's a huge period of ambiguity. I think every time of transition is a period of ambiguity and uncertainty. Absolutely. So you mentioned that while you were in Abu Dhabi, you had kind of transitioned there, but kind of gotten used to your routine and things that kind of become a little boring. What led you to decide that you were ready? Like what took you to that point where you were basically like, yes, I have this routine but I'm ready to actually step into ambiguity and uncertainty, maybe to evolve, maybe to grow, or maybe for something else. Mm, Yeah, definitely to evolve and to grow for sure. Like that is, and even if that's not your intention, stepping into that period of life, (laughs) it happens inevitably. We all need it, right? That's why we all go through ambiguity. We all need it. And uh, I think I'm a person who naturally thrives on uncertainty. Astrologically Mm -hmm. speaking, for those people who are interested and who know about it or who can relate, because it's just a different language that we can use to relate things and help make sense of stuff. I have a Mm -hmm. Pisces rising and a stellium in Pisces, which is, if you know anything about Pisces, it's like, it's boundlessness. There is no boundary to Pisces. It's like ultimate feminine energy, which is water, which is just like all about receiving and all about flow and all about feeling and sensing rather than the masculine, which is about structure and like making sure things have a routine, which would be more of an mm-hmm. earth element type thing sometimes. Is that sometimes. like a Leo Because I'm 1000% structure. Leo is masculine, but it's not necessarily structured. It, it, it just depends on the other. I, that, those are not the traits of Leo. Leo's traits are more like fun and creative and bright and light. And yeah, absolutely. That's, that's you. That's you. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. You were telling us about Pisces in your flow. Yes. Yes. So I feel that I naturally really love being in a place where I'm able to flow. Said another way, it could be that I thrive in ambiguity because being able to flow, it's always going to be ambiguous. You don't know what's coming next. So you have to be Mm. able to intuit or just be able to land where you land and adapt from there. And I'm really, really good at that. And I feel comfortable with that. In fact, this morning, I have like a morning routine. 
And this morning I was like, mm, no, I don't want to do it because if I do the morning routine today, today doing the morning routine, it's work. If I wait, mm-hmm. if I don't do it today and just do my thing today and do it tomorrow, then it becomes part of the ritual again. And I can't have things feeling like work. So it, like just having that distinction in my head. But anyway, back to your question, like when I was leaving Abu Dhabi, it was actually part of a spiritual deepening or spiritual awakening that I was just like realizing how... I didn't need to be there. I had fulfilled my function and had mm. gotten what I need from my time in Abu Dhabi and the university yeah. and with the students I was working with, because there were a lot of things that were coming back to the beginning of the cycle again, that I said, okay, mm-hmm. I don't need to go through this again. I already know. And it really, it was like, on, in a large part, it was like the attitude of the students that I was working with. It, mm-hmm. it was becoming very institutionalized. Like the university was 10 years old, so very young. And that institutional feeling was strong and becoming stronger and stronger. You know how it is with universities. Like they want to have their say and their impact on the world intellectually with knowledge and all this stuff. But I felt like nothing new was being created. And the first year that I worked there, I had students who were so like willing to explore all these different things. But by the third year, and this is what the sixth semester and with all the students and stuff in between, it's like, now you're just asking me to read your paper over because you're so insecure about what you're saying. You're not even thinking about what you're saying. You're not even dropping into the heart and trying to feel it. You're just saying anything because it feels like you're going to get an A and I can't be part of that. So yeah, that was something that kind of alerted me to maybe something here is not working. And then from there, the consciousness sort of deepens. And then I realized like, oh, I don't feel comfortable here anymore. I don't feel safe mm-hmm. here. I don't, there's more out there for me in this world. And this may be a time that I could take my leave from here and just go and try to do other things. I mean, it was still during the pandemic and everything, which is, is still happening. And, you know, it, sometimes it feels like it, sometimes it don't, it doesn't, depending on where you are in the world and whatnot. But yeah, I just felt like it was time. It was time for me to go. And I was getting all my signs and synchronicities and everything. And I was like, yep, yep. I even tried to push it. At first, I was like, I'm going to leave a year from now, from a certain point. I said, I'm going to leave a year from now. And then some months went by. I said, you know, I'm just going to leave at the end of the year. And then, Mm -hmm. then, you know, some time went by. I said, I'm just going to leave. I stayed at an apartment. I just booked a six-month lease. I didn't even wait until the end of the year. So it was like last April that I left. And I told my bosses, I couldn't even finish the semester. Like, that's how strong it felt for me. The internal call was so strong. I couldn't even finish the semester, even though they asked me to. I was like, I can't do it. Sorry. So yeah, it was really more of like a soul push for me to leave and just go on my own journey and start to like grow in that way. Wow. 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 Okay. So you are in the space where you've decided to embark upon your own journey. How did you figure out what that journey looked like? Like I said, I am a person of structure. Mm-hmm. So, and I am 1000% a planner. Mm. So I can imagine, couldn't even come close to imagining the concept of not knowing where I'm going to be in June. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure like whatever you feel you felt then is connected to what you're feeling now, but taking that step back to then, mm-hmm. what did next steps look for you as you were stepping into that ambiguity and uncertainty as a person that does well with it, Mm -hmm. what did those next steps look like? So here, here's really where it comes down to feeling as the ultimate guide, your intuition as the ultimate guide. And I mean, my intuition has always been strong. Have I always listened to it? No, which is why there was that 
major disconnect or this urge to do something because my intuition was like, you're not listening to me. So now I have to be a little bit more forceful. So yeah, coming back to like the feeling part of it, I was just thinking about where to go. I thought about Zanzibar because I've been there before, but I was like, I don't know if that's really conducive to the lifestyle that I want to live because I went there on vacation. I don't know if I could see myself. So I thought about those things and like knowing that I was going to be needing to connect with people online. Yeah. I needed to go somewhere with good internet. And I linked up with a friend. Well, she wasn't a friend at that point. She was just new to me, but she was somebody who had lived in Dubai. She was from the US. She traveled a lot and everything. Even though we never met in Dubai, I just like found her somehow on Instagram, whatever, whatever. One thing led to another. And she told me that she was living somewhere in Mexico, in Merida. And I was like, interesting. Okay, so I'm going to go to Merida because (laughs) somebody lives there. So I'll find my way. But I didn't go there to stay. I just went there for a holiday with my mom. But that's how I entered. That's how I entered Mexico. But actually, before that, I went to New York and I stayed with my sister for about a month. And I just kind of like recalibrated. It wasn't necessary to stay for that long, but I felt like I needed that time. And because I didn't have such structure, it was like, at least I could stay with family and I could figure out some stuff. And I know that on this date, I'm going to go to Mexico and be with my mom, hang out there for a bit. And then the real adventure started in June, actually last year, the last day of May or something, when I went to Puerto Escondido in Oaxaca on the coast. And how did I find out about that place? I might have just Googled. I might have seen the name somewhere. This is what I'm talking about. I didn't use my mind too much when it came to places Mm -hmm. because then I would just be overwhelmed, right? There's so many places out there just in one country, just in one state in this country. You can just go to so many different places. And how do you know? I knew that I wanted to be by the ocean and that Wi-Fi was important to me. And I didn't really check that part of it, but I just knew I just wanted to be by the ocean. So I went to Airbnb and then I selected a place and I was like, okay, then I'm going to go there. And then I, I flew there after my visit with my mom. And on the plane landing, there was a woman who was like seated a little bit ahead of me to the side. So she couldn't really see me, but she had a cat on the plane. And so it was kind of like doing its thing. So when we got off, because we were sitting in the business class or whatever, so we were first wanted to get off the plane. And I just like made some commentary to her because she seemed to have an open aura. And mm-hmm. from there, we became friends. And she invited me to hang out with her and her friends that she was staying with that evening. And that was like my group of friends for the summer. Just a bunch of fairies, just a bunch of cool people, like really open that allowed me to feel comfortable and safe because this was new territory. Coming from an institutional background, everything is so Like in order to talk to anybody, you have to go through all this red tape just to make conversation with somebody like, so to be in a space where it's like, you don't even have to wear clothes if you don't want, you know, (laughs) it's just such a beautiful contrast and helped me to like kind of shed the layers that I was holding onto. But in addition to that, one of the people who I met through her, they were pretty much all Mexican, mostly from Mexico City. So one of the people who I met through her, he had an apartment in Mexico City and he and I became quite close and had all these nice conversations and everything. And we decided that he was going to travel for a couple of months after the summer during the same time that I needed some place to stay in Mexico City because I had booked an Airbnb for a month in Mexico City. But after that time, I didn't have anywhere to stay. So I rented out his apartment for three months while he traveled. And it was nice because his place was like perfect for me. So much space and so artistic and so open. And it also felt like I don't have to worry. I can be free here because this is my friend. This is not just a random person. Like he's not going to be checking in on me or like trying to like watch me or whatever. He trusts me in his home and it's my home and it's our home. And he just had that feeling about it. So 
it worked out in that way, which is why when it comes to these days, and now I don't necessarily expect for someone to come and offer their home to me like that in the same exact way, but I know that I'm being supported, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So that's awesome. So you've at this point made your way down to Mexico. Mm -hmm. You are building community, which I think is so amazing. Uh, You are just able to like put yourself out there like that. You're like, hey, you have a cat. Like, that's so cool that you are able to do that. Were you always like that? Were you always pretty outgoing or extroverted or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you're Leo, right? So you understand the stuff. I'm also Leo and I have a lot of energy. Astrologically, I have stellium in Leo, which is when you have, I'm just giving people a little bit less. <laughs> when you have three or more planets in a sign or a house, and that just means there's a lot of energy concentrated in that, in that particular type of energy, that archetype. Okay. And so I have four planets in Leo in the sixth house, which is the house of Virgo, which means that there is this like planning, needing things to be in order and clean aspect to my life all the time because of the Virgo energy. But I'm super exuberant and super like, I want to connect with people, especially in my younger years. Like I was just always connecting with people. Nowadays, I'm a lot more discerning because I realized that I was like burning my energy out before I could even wake up sometimes, like just giving too much, doing too much, flowing too much, whatever. There's maturity, right? But yeah, I, to answer your question, I've definitely been an outgoing person. And I think people people and animals and things, and I just, I, I attract a lot. I attract a lot of beings around me. So in that case, it's up to me to obviously set the boundary and somehow and be like, okay, yes, I want to engage with you or I don't. But in the past, I was engaging with everybody and everything, which means that I made mm-hmm. a lot of friendships and I made a lot of connections, but I also, you know, had a lot of things attached to me that I didn't necessarily need. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So I didn't even expect the conversation to take this turn, but since it did, uh, (laughs) how did you learn to even navigate that space as you were trying to understand who your community should be, whether it be when you were growing up or now, because something that I feel like I've noticed as a constant in most of these episodes is everyone kind of comes back to this concept of community with like the way that they navigate ambiguity and uncertainty is always been tied to some of the people or something around them, whether it be like actual friendships, family, spiritual context, so on and so forth. So for you, how did you navigate your community and discovering that you were giving away too much of yourself? Yeah, such a good question. It feels multi-layered, like most things, like all things. You know, when it comes to ambiguity and uncertainty, we have to be together. I think it's one of those things that shows us just how connected we really are, right? Like the question that you ask after the the last question of the fast five is, have you ever dealt with ambiguity and uncertainty? And everyone's answer is yes, right? Because that's something that we're all connected by, which means that if we take away all the structures that are, by the way, man-made, I was thinking about it this morning, like we should be proud of ourselves as humans that we can create structures and you know, systems and whatever. It's cool to do that. It's cool to create rules and cool to create. This is the path forward. This is how you attain this and whatever, because then you can actually see things manifest. You can see things manifest and it's awesome. Now, when it's destructive, it's a different story, which we're dealing with that a lot now in the world. But 
When you take all of those away, we have a bunch of nothingness. We just have us here with our thoughts going wild and our feelings going rampant because we don't know how to attach any of those thoughts or feelings to anything outside of us because those outside things don't exist. So what can we do? We can link with other people who are going through the same thing and at least find the solidarity, the togetherness in the ambiguity. So for sure, I agree that community is super, super important. Have I always felt connected to community in that way? Not really, because I feel like one needs to be associated with the right kind of community. And as I was deepening spiritually in this past couple of years, I noticed that my community wasn't on the same path as me, on a different path, just on a different path. And I had different kind of communities. Like I had the one that I grew up with and kind of like my friends from high school and we remain friends until now we're still friends and everything. And then I had the community in Abu Dhabi that was, you know, my friends who were on my team at the university, who we also lived in the same building and we had friendships outside of work and everything. But then when I left, I realized, okay, well, those were friends for that version of me, but I'm a different version now. And even the friends who I made last year, people who I just, the fairies that I just talked about, we're still connected here and there, but everyone's doing their own thing. Like it's not the same. It's not, you know, summer break, whatever you want to, how it felt last year. It's different. So how do I cultivate community? It's a big question I'm asking myself. I don't really have a, a true answer. How do you cultivate community now? I'm realizing, and I think that It was my trip to Portugal that really helped me understand the importance of being in my own energy because I can't force community, right? All I can do is be clear about who I am, what I need to feel fulfilled, what I'm able to give, what are my gifts that I'm able to give? Not only what I'm able to give out of a capacity standpoint, but Mm -hmm. what are the gifts that I can give that truly seem to support other people outside of me? And How is that being received by people around? Because if it's not being received, then you're not going to cultivate community. People are just not going to receive it, right? It's going to be just like left there or bounce back to you. But if it's being received, then you start to attract the people who are receiving your love. And then hopefully their love matches what you need. But in order to understand that, it's like you have to understand who you are, understand what you need, understand what Mm. fills you, right? And understand what you're able to give out of a capacity standpoint and out of your gifts. And my time in Portugal was all about that because it wasn't, as I said, a situation or an experience that I necessarily wanted. I wanted it to feel like magical and European, all this nonsense, (laughs) but it was definitely not that. It was one that I experienced a lot of like discrimination and hate and racism, Mm -hmm. not like overtly, but covertly. And because I'm psychic, this Pisces energy, very strong, You don't have to tell me for me to know that you hate me. You don't have to spit on me for me to know that you want to. So yeah, like through that, it helped me to understand, like, what is it that I need on a very basic level? And then when we go past the basic level of respect, you know, I need you to really Mm -hmm. honor me as a human being, because you know, if I'm in your life, if I choose to be in your life and you allow me to be, I'm going to honor you. I'm not just going to like you. I'm going to honor you as a human being and who you are in this life. Hope that answers your question. (laughs) Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. I love the portion that you kind of talked about, especially with the giving your love and if it's received and if it's reciprocated in the way that you need it to be reciprocated. And I also love the concept of discovering you. Mm. For a listener out there that is living in this state of, I guess, self-uncertainty and self-ambiguity, and they're trying who they are, what advice would you have for them? Oh, such a beautiful place to be. Such a beautiful place to be. I think right now what's coming up for me is just like being open 
to Mm -hmm. a shift in perspective, not doing anything, not changing anything, not trying to fix anything, but being open, just opening up. It's sometimes when we're in this place of feeling uncertain in ourselves, it causes tenseness in our body, tenseness in our mind, tenseness in our hearts. Like we feel like we should be different. Why don't I know myself more? Why can't I do better for myself? Now, imagine just relaxing that or at least opening up the scope because when we're tense, everything is narrow, right? Everything is constricted. If you think about muscles, everything gets constricted. But if you just open things up, then if you're not able to relax, at least there's more space. So with time, you'll be able to relax. And the opening up is just to see perhaps there's an opportunity for me to look at things from a different angle or perspective that I couldn't see before because I was so tense. This opportunity, and I mean, I'm like such an optimist. It's ridiculous sometimes (laughs) how optimistic I am. But I truly see everything here as an opportunity. Like this opportunity to understand who I am based on what is not feeling good or what makes me feel like I don't have everything in order is a gift because it's just those things that make your heart speak to you, that make your hips speak to you, like tightness and whatever that make you feel a little bit frazzled in the brain or whatever. What are the external situations that are associated with those internal, you know, pangs of discomfort or physical discomfort What are they? Because those are the things that either you need to stay away from or you need to be more present with so you can get to know yourself more. But I think like we can talk about techniques and everything like, sure, absolutely. I have tons of prescriptive techniques to go through if people need support. However, it's just about, I think, opening up and realizing that it's not as small as you think it is. It meaning life. You are not as small as you think you are. You're much more expansive than that. And if you would just allow yourself to see that potentially there are layers, 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 layers of you. Let's go from there. Let's just go from there. There potentially are considerably, possibly, you know, just giving yourself that grace and space. You don't have to be like, oh, but what are the layers? What do they mean? Where did they come from? Like, that's not doing it, right? That's only going to make you more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause like when you said layers, I'm like, wait, but what are the layers? Like, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm but no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I love that recommendation of openness and just kind of being open to who you are and the fact that that may have adjusted or changed throughout life and throughout right. space. That was so good. That's such amazing advice. Oh my goodness. And him. You have given us so much during this time. <laughs> so we've gone and talked about everything from Chris Brown to being in like your regular routine and structured life to intentionally stepping out into ambiguity and uncertainty to embracing the realness of community and the importance of community to even opening yourself up to discover who you are. We've covered so much and it's been so amazing. But if you had any final advice that you would want to give myself or anyone else facing ambiguity or uncertainty in this season, what would that advice be? Surrender. Mm, Wow. Yeah. Simple, right? (laughs) Simply said anyway, simply said. Surrender, whatever that means to you. I'm looking at surrender as a soft allowing rather than giving up. It's not a giving up energy. It is an allowing energy. When you surrender to something bigger than yourself, surrender to something 
outside of you. If you're in a, a space of ambiguity, you're probably already thinking, I don't have control. And sometimes that can come from the giving up space. I don't have control. So what is going to happen to me? I don't know. I don't have control. I'm, uh, I'm anxious. But also, if you don't have control, that means something or someone else has control. Mm-hmm. I'm saying someone, but like, you know, some other force has control. Surrender whatever you're experiencing to that force that has control and see what happens. You don't even have to know what happens afterwards. I can't tell you what happens. That's your life. It's your journey. It's your path, but it's also up to your perspective and your perception. If you just surrender and see what happens from there, it's again, just giving you that space so you can breathe, just breathe and also breathe. That's another one. (laughs) Please be mindful of your breath. It's life. It's everything. And also water. Stop giving me all this time because I'm just be listing off things, you know? It's true. It's, it's the basic things. It's like calm your mind down by opening things up, breathe, be mindful of your breath because it is everything to your life, to the way that your body functions. And drinking water, water is life. Don't let yourself be dry and crusty out here. <laughs> Truly, your body needs it. Your kidneys need it. It's your life force. It's your life force. Nothing moves without water, right? Nothing moves without water. I love it. I love it. I love it. Man, you have given so much amazing advice throughout this entire, entire process. For anyone that wants to follow up with you or find you, can you tell people where you are or where they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for the opportunity, the space and your enthusiasm and all your delightfully deep questions. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being willing to be on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. If people want to get in touch with me, I didn't even talk about the writing thing. Like that is such a, because there's so much to talk about and, you know, but I think we touched on what was necessary for this episode, which is, which is beautiful, but I'll just mention it here in case it's interested to people. I run a wellness through writing platform called wellspringwords.love. So you can just Google that wellspringwords.love and find me there, or you can find me on my personal website. That's bynkem.co. That's B-Y-N-K-E-M.co, where I do my personal stuff, my art and my writing and everything. But the Wellness Through Writing platform, it's a digital anthology where women of color can submit their writing, storytelling, just sharing who they are through written art. And that place is inclusive to women of color because we need our space, we need our community. But in addition to the digital anthology part of it, we also have a podcast called Wellspring Words, the podcast, which you can find on any streaming platform. And we have writing workshops that I host a couple of times per season, I guess I should say. And you can just find all of that on the website there, wellspringwords.love, on Instagram, wellspringwords, and on Instagram, my personal one is naturallyfree123. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's how you can find me, get in touch and you know, have things to say or want to connect through writing. Absolutely here for that. Awesome. 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 Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being willing to be a part of the podcast. And thank you for your openness and your willingness to share your journey. I know that there are listeners on the other side of it that are going to be so impacted. And I can say even myself Mm. already, you already got one. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. So much, much, much appreciated. So thank you for your willingness to be on the podcast. And thank you to everyone that took time to listen. And this week, I want to encourage you to surrender and calm your mind, be intentional about your breath and mindful about your breath. 
and drink your water so you don't end up dry and crusty because it is light. Until next time, I'll talk to you later on Ambiguity with Ambi. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ambiguity with Ambi. I'm your host, Amber Latrice, and I hope you enjoyed our discussion about navigating the uncertain and ambiguous parts of life. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. And if you'd like to help support the podcast, please be sure to share it with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at I am Amber Latrice. Thanks again. And until we connect next time, I encourage you to embrace the uncertain and ambiguous moments of life. Talk to you next time on Ambiguity with Ambie.